Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Locate okay After Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, back in our Podstream studios in Times Square. Folks, it has been a couple of days since the Buffalo shooting, and later in the show, I'm going to be joined by Dr. Basil Smichael, who's the director of public policy program at Hunter College. And Basil and I are going to get into a conversation about what really is the Democrats' theory of power. How is it that Republicans have done something that if you look at it, as Basil will say, from a purely political science perspective, is brilliant? How do you decide that over decades you're going to begin to invest in the areas where this country has made intense change? It has come through the courts. It has come through state legislatures. Right. It has very rarely come from the Oval Office. And yet for Democrats, the only thing that we've ever been focused on as Democratic establishments. Are those higher echelons of office. For the last five decades, Republicans have been making inroads with secretary of states, with school boards, with city councils, with governorships. We saw how this was unfolding while Donald Trump was president. When, you know, the Senate was going to decide, well, we're not sending COVID relief to blue states. We're only going to pay attention to who's in the red states. The reality is that we do not have the opportunity to get another bite at the apple. I have been saying this for years now. You lose democracy, it does not come back. And there is no point to be made over the last several years in this country that says that our democracy is safe and secure. We had a white domestic terrorist drive 
for hundreds of miles to do reconnaissance in a black neighborhood to take as many black lives as he possibly could. Now, folks refer to this individual as a terrorist, as I have, as a white supremacist, as he so proudly wrote about in his 180-page manifesto. Let me pose this question. In the eyes of the law, what the fuck is the difference between Kyle Rittenhouse and the Buffalo white supremacist? Kyle Rittenhouse drove across two states with an AR-15 over his shoulder going to look for people to shoot and harm. Now, Folks on the right want to say, well, he was out there protecting property. It wasn't his motherfucking property to protect. Wasn't in his state. Wasn't on his front fucking lawn. Peyton can say the same shit. Well, I was going to protect property from what? The only difference in these scenarios is that the Buffalo white supremacist decided that he was going to walk into a grocery store and take as many lives as possible. Kyle Rittenhouse decided to put himself in the middle of a peaceful protest and erupt in violence. He got off. Not only did he get off, he was fucking offered internships in Congress at the goddamn White House. The reason why we are seeing this persistence in violence and anti-blackness is because there is no accountability. There has been no real accountability for the thousands of white people that decided to attempt to overthrow our government. The Democratic establishment doesn't even, outside of the 1-6 House Commission, doesn't even really talk and fucking remind people on a regular basis. You see me? If I were Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, every time I had a microphone in my face, somebody's cell phone in my face, I would be talking about white supremacy and how fucking dangerous the Republican Party is. Because you see, what they are not lacking on that side is passion and rage. Their passion amounts to violence, right? It amounts to legislation meant to threaten and cause as much harm as possible for those that are not white, not cis, not straight, and not Christian. For folks that think that they are sitting comfortably right now in blue states and, oh, this won't affect me, Dr. Basil Smichael later on in this show will tell you exactly how it is going to affect you. That in the next six months, the violence that we are going to see in this country is going to grow as we head into midterm elections where Democrats, Joe Biden being our leader, has said, we're going to focus on inflation. You're going to focus on inflation? Yeah, I know that the cost of shit is high. I know that gas prices are high. Do you know what else I know? Women and people with uteruses are about to lose the ability to have an abortion. Not only that, they're going to lose the ability to have access to birth control. Not only that, they are going to be tried and convicted as criminals for trying to have bodily autonomy. Not only that, that if in fact you attempt to move outside of your state in order to get the kind of reproductive health care that you need, 
that you can wind up in prison. And those that helped you do that will also arrive in prison. So how are we talking about freedom of movement or freedom at all in a country that is going to begin to regulate the bodies of people with uteruses at our state's borders? But the New York Times the other day wants to run articles about what the Taliban is doing to women in Afghanistan. And oh my God, these people, how heinous, how backwards. Where the fuck is the expose on the Republican Party turned into a white supremacist, fascist, extremist cult? Where is that conversation? You mean because they're not talking about what? Hijabs? That then we're not talking about control? We're not talking about patriarchy? We're not talking about Christian fundamentalism and the abuse that that rains down on people who do not subscribe to that way of thought. Tell me how Republicans are different than the Taliban. I will wait because I don't see it. What I see is a right-wing zealot political party that has created a violent insurrectionist movement to threaten the lives of people who they don't see as human. Within the 180-page manifesto, the Buffalo terrorist talked about white birth rates, which is a point of conversation on Fox News often from the mouth of Tucker Carlson, talks about masculinity, talks about replacement theory, which once again, Fox News, an entire network, has dedicated themselves to stoking the fears and escalating the violence of fragile white men. Tucker Carlson did a documentary called the end of men. The biggest problem in America to him is low testosterone rates in white men. So what do you think that the action is going to be when you have these mouthpieces like Tucker, like Laura Ingram, like Ron DeSantis, like Donald Trump, tell you to go and take your country back, tell you that white people should not be feeling discomfort. And if they do, we must do something about that. Peyton, like Kyle, like Dylan, they're not fucking mentally ill. They've been fed a steady diet that all Republicans have been fed. Which is that black and brown people are coming to take from you. Meanwhile, if we actually taught history, which we do not, all we do is provide American propaganda about exceptionalism that no one experiences. If we would actually talk about history in its real context, white people would know that they have been the ones that have robbed everyone and everything. Raping and pillaging is how they have had access to power and have been a part of the hierarchy at the top. So the audacity to even have the idea in your mind that somebody is coming to take something from you that you did not willingly, you do not own anything. You didn't create anything. You stole, you robbed, you raped. That's how we are here. 
So what black and brown people and other people from marginalized communities are only trying to do is create equity. Because white folks, Republican, these conservatives operate from a place of scarcity in the country that they then also want to turn around and tell us is the most powerful and the wealthiest, but we can't do for the least. Oh, because you don't want people who don't look like you, don't love like you, don't pray like you to have access in the way that you do. Folks, they've been saying the quiet parts out loud for decades. We just have always wanted to believe that somehow these people are better than who they are showing themselves to be. President Biden gave what folks are saying is an emotional speech about the shooting, about white supremacy being a poison, about we as a country needing to hold one another. I don't need a comforter in chief. I could give a fuck about how you want to comfort people. Because you know what people find comforting? Safety, protection, policies that hold the people that do violent acts accountable. And not just the person that pulled the trigger, but the person that riled up the person that decided to pick up the gun. Where is the FCC in their investigation into Fox News? Why has nobody called into that? Because let me tell you something, and I said this earlier in the week. If Tucker Carlson were Muslim and Fox News was Al Jazeera and we were seeing the same level of violence, what the fuck do you think the United States government would be doing? Where do you think that those people would be? You think that they would be safely taken in their millions talking about freedom of speech? No, they would be someplace under a jail. So why don't we have the same rules that apply to white domestic terrorists? Whether you are holding a gun or a microphone, you are still doing the same amount of damage. And until we decide to start calling these people out consistently and by fucking name, nothing is going to change. It is only going to get worse. Coming up next, my conversation with Dr. Basil Smichael about where we go from here. It's no secret that the news is horse pill hard to swallow. Thankfully, there's the Bituation Room podcast hosted by comedian and commentator Francesca Friorentini for a lighter take on the heavy stuff. Each week, the Bituation Room brings you progressive comedians, experts, and activists to break down the issues in a way that won't just leave you crying under a weighted blanket. Get the Bituation Room on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and streaming on YouTube and Twitch. Get a behind-the-scenes look at Comedy Central's The Daily Show on Beyond the Scenes, an original podcast from The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Every week, host Roy Wood Jr. goes deeper with the notable guests and experts from the Emmy Award-winning series. Together, they use comedy to tackle current topics from gentrification to gun laws and take a closer look at how and why these topics matter. Listen to Beyond the Scenes from The Daily Show with Trevor Noah on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes every Tuesday. 
Folks, I am very excited to be back in studio and to also be joined by old-time friend, colleague, who we haven't seen each other in two years, Dr. Basil Smichael, who is the Director of Public Policy, the Public Policy Program at Hunter College, to talk about, you know, where we have been, where we are right now. Um, Basil, we are days removed now from the most heinous shooting that we have seen in the United States in the last several years. I would love to say ever, but we can't say that because we are a country that is in love with guns and in love with white supremacy. Those two things collided in Buffalo, New York at the Topps Grocery. Um, 10 black people murdered, three other people wounded, an entire community and frankly a country rocked once again. What what is your initial reaction to learning about the 180 page manifesto, to learning about the reconnaissance that was done, the fact that this white supremacist terrorist drove 200 miles in order to commit this act of terror? What do you make of this? My initial reaction was that uh, black people are being hunted. We continue, continue to be. And first and foremost, let me um, send my regards to uh, the mayor of Buffalo, Byron Brown. We used to work together at the State Democratic Party where I was executive director, and I spent a lot of time in Buffalo, a lot of time in upstate New York. I had just been in upstate New York talking to students at RPI, Red Cedar Polytechnic Institute, and they were talking about how they feel that so much has changed in this world and are fearful about what it's going to be like when they when they graduate. In certain parts of upstate New York, you know, it, 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 as liberal as the state is or we like to say that we are, they had reported seeing more pockets of Confederate flags being flown from cars on lawns, language about people of color, Black people in particular, that they had not really heard before. So this was making them feel very anxious. And then a day later, um, I heard about the shooting and I said, yes, black people are being hunted in this country. I remember in 2017, a man traveling from Maryland to kill black people in New York and he wound up stabbing someone. Um, this country is in love with guns, is in love with white supremacy. We have not, the country has not been absolved of its original sin of slavery. And, you know, I, I went to Catholic school for 12 years. I'm actually an Anglican. And I was taught that there has to be penance before forgiveness. And I have not seen this country engage in any type of penance for either their past or their present actions toward African-Americans. Having said that, it's clear that individuals will travel great distances and go to great lengths to manifest their hate. Mm. And we, what we have seen, certainly in the last few days, but we continue to see in our country, this inability for the nation to really not only reconcile with the existence of domestic terrorism, but even fomented in, in many instances, certainly during the Trump era. And I, we can spend a lot of time talking about Trump, but we have, but it really didn't start with him. It just gave people who had these thoughts, who were organizing, and that's an important point, organizing around these thoughts and feelings about Black people, it gave them an opportunity to bring that to the forefront. 
without fear of retribution or consequence. Um, and I think that in many ways is the biggest, one of the biggest lessons of the Trump era for me, action without consequence, right? That folks feel compelled to and uh, able to engage in misbehavior without fear that they'll have their guns taken away, without fear that they're going to be um, prosecuted. You get a guy, Kyle Rittenhouse, kill protesters in Kenosha, right? And so without that accountability, there is this freedom to act. And that makes me feel nervous for the first time in my life. And I grew up in the Bronx. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I've been shot when mm -hmm. I was 12. Mm -hmm. But I, I mm -hmm. feel that as, as, a, as a black man in this black body, there are no safe spaces for me. Um, and I've not felt that way before in my life. And that makes me really terrified. Yeah. Um, because my question was going to be, you know, when was there a time when you did feel safe, right? Um, but the reality is that we have watched a progression, just like your students are talking about seeing the slow population of Confederate flags. Similarly, my, I'm from out East on Long Island and Trump country, uh, had, had, has taken over Suffolk County in New York. And in my neighborhood that I grew up in, right, it was always 96, 97% white, but I never felt unsafe. Mm -hmm. um, as I started to see Trump flags populated, right? And I mean, not just a flag that says, you know, the candidate or the person that you're supporting, but it's the actual threatening language that they are flying so freely. Uh, in front of their homes or riding around in their cars, like, go ahead and take my gun if you want to, this type of threatening posture. You know, what do you, if, if there were to be some type of penance, wouldn't that come from our education system, which I believe has been the biggest perpetuator of white supremacy and the gaslight of American excellence? comes from our public school system. A couple of things about that. One, I don't, I, I also, yes, uh, I also don't think that, I don't think, a lot of times people have this language, we all need to come to the table. And I'm like, wait a minute, black folks been at this table for a long time. We've been saying this for a long time. And when Trump became president or started running for president, we were like, hey, all right, even if you don't like Hillary, but this thing here, you've got to pay attention to because it's a problem waiting to happen. So we've been at the table waiting for a willing partner. Mm -hmm. So that said, um, you know, I, I feel very strongly that, you know, this is a conversation that it's happened in the black community. It needs to really happen in the white community. We should be there because we've got to be able to aid that conversation. But this is, this is, this is coming for them. This isn't just about us. It hits us first, perhaps, first and foremost, but it's also coming for different parts of the white community, too. So if they're not really awakened and aware of, of this, it's going to come to their doorstep next. Having, and it already has in many instances, Oklahoma City, uh, among other terrorist mm, acts, right? Mm -hmm, so so mm -hmm. it's it's there. Um, the shooting of the uh, baseball, the congressional baseball game, yep, right? Yep. And even then, they did yep. nothing to curb gun violence. The second point I want to make is on the flags themselves, because I've seen flags from 2016, I've seen flags to 2020, and I'm seeing flags for 2024. What that says to me is that this isn't just about the election. This is about a movement. Mm -hmm. It's about their movement. Trump might be the focal point of it, he may be the face of it, but it's a larger movement. When you see that kind of 
energy and vigor, right? And the problem that we have is that on the other side, there isn't that movement. It is an incident to incident activity and objective. It is not a social political movement meant to push that back. And that is one of the things that I, I that, that I'm nervous about, that I talk about a lot, that there isn't that same level of energy. Should we be focused more on what's happening in the schools? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But we should have always been. This whole thing about critical race theory, banning mm-hmm. books and so on, that's a that's not new. But it is a proxy for issues of race. It's a proxy for more uh, or conversations about in- inclusivity that people don't want to have. But here's my, here's my issue from an organizing standpoint. There are almost 14,000 school districts in the country. That means that there are 14,000 opportunities for us to be in the room, making arguments, organizing parents, which is what folks of color and African-Americans did pre and post Brown. We did right. it pre Brown. Right. You talk about folks like Ella Baker in, in, in Harlem, among others, that were organizing parents because they, she believed and others believed that when you organize parents around the urgency of what's happening in schools, you get them to develop urgency around other things in their community. So it leads to change that is that at the school level, but also at the city, state, federal level. We're not doing that mm-hmm. right now. The party could be doing that, should be doing that. They're not doing that. How does that change? That does it change on a dime? And that's the problem. But I think about why I got motivated to be in politics because I saw Jesse on 80 in 84 and 88 on TV saying the party needs to be more inclusive in 88. He did it. And think about what happens. 89, David Dinkins becomes the first black mayor of New York city. 92, Doug Wilder becomes the first elected black governor of Virginia. Bill Clinton gets elected that same year. And you started to see all these African-Americans in positions of power. Uh, Alexis Herman, Rodney Slater, Ron Brown becomes uh, was a DNC chair, secretary of commerce at one point. There is a direct, there's a micro and sort of a macro effect of my political engagement through Jesse's engagement and movement, right? Where is that movement today? Maybe it was Bernie. Maybe it's the poor people's movement, Reverend Barber. But there has to be something that brings us to the table in every school district and every police precinct, every police jurisdiction across the country that gets us energized and engaged. I don't see it. You know, I do interviews with uh, my friend, uh, another doctor, uh, Dr. Jonathan Metzel, who is the author of Dying of Whiteness. And he said to me recently, the problem that I'm seeing and the consistent problem is that Republicans have a theory of change, Mm -hmm. a theory of power, is what he said, actually. What is the Democrats' theory of power? And he said, because marching and protesting, great. But like you said, that is reaction to reaction. It is momentary, right? It is not about a consistent strategy or plan. If you were to say what you believe the Democrats' theory of power to be, what would that be? I I would have to say it is winning elections to have more more of Democrats in the House and the Senate, more governorships. Okay. The problem is, it's, uh, there are two issues with that. One, because that is an election cycle to cycle strategy. That is mm-hmm. not strategy. If you think about re- what Republicans do, from a straight political science point of view, it's actually really amazing. They have realized that in order to force change, they have to move multiple institutions at the same time. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Think about what they've done with judges. Think about what they're doing with schools. Think about what they're doing with secretaries of state, many of whom are elected in this country and run our election systems. They're focused on those elections, right? All of these different institutions, they are focused on and managing uh, operations and policies at the same time. And mind you, these are institutions not previously designed for us. That's another issue. But the fact is that these are institutions that they are moving and manipulating over time to force their theory of change. Because because you say over time, because I want people to realize, too, this is not something that is happening not at overnight. All. Absolutely. This is the, 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 this is the way that Republicans have been moving. It has been a five and six decade movement that is that is now perfectly aligned and meeting the moment that they but they have planned for for decades. And they do it even through substantial loss. They'll say right. oh, they'll say they'll take that loss. They'll take they'll take the Obama victory over over McCain, fine. Over Romney, fine. Because we, we we focused on this other stuff down here, mm-hmm. right? They they'll take substantial losses because they know they're playing the long game. And if you think about the if you think about one particular issue, well, if you think about any particular issue that's decided on a state level, like let's say voting rights, right? Think about what they have to do to make sure that they change state legislatures across the country. During the Obama presidency, Democrats lost about a thousand state legislative seats across the country, almost a thousand. Now what that and it flipped state legislatures. And in doing so, they, the Republicans are saying, hey, there's a lot of policy on the federal level. Presidents matter, absolutely. But state policy, state local policy, that's what's really, that's where the rubber really meets the road. Let's stop focusing on that. We weren't focused on it. Democrats weren't focused on it. And as a result, we, don't, we didn't even contest in many races. There are races we don't even contest in because it's a foregone conclusion that we can't win or whatever. All right. But in, in making these decisions cycle to cycle, you lose, you lose sight of the long-term plan which is what the Republicans have had for decades, as you said. So here we have arrived where we have midterms in six mm. months. We have a Democratic Party that says that they are going to run on inflation, not white supremacy, not fascism, not uh, authoritarianism, not voting, not any of those things. They're going to run on inflation. And I'm not saying that kitchen table issues, issues at the gas pump. I'm not saying that those don't matter. I'm saying that in the large grand scheme of things, if you are not living inside of a democracy, those things start to matter less, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Because the gaps between the haves and the have-nots are going to be just ripped further apart. What do we do? Because again, we're only focused on midterms, then we're focused on 2024. I don't know this country makes it to 2024 intact. And I have been saying that and people tell me that I'm hyperbolic and I'm like, tell me where I have lied over the last several years when I said in 2016 that Donald Trump's presidency was going to be white supremacy's last stand. I said that on air the minute that Florida went red. Here we are. And it's not white supremacy's last stand. It is a reaffirmation, right? Um, so that is the one clarification that I would make about what I said. I said, oh, this is going to be their last stand. No, they have doubled down and they are reaffirming. 
um, what white supremacy looks like in the 21st century. And so six months, I believe we will have another shooting. Mm -hmm. I think that we are going to see them more and more. Um, because I honestly, I don't know the difference between what Kyle Rittenhouse did and what Peyton Gendron did. I, I really, I have, I have no, I have, except one was a march that you decided to shoot up and a judge said that that was okay, but you decided to drive cross states in order to do that. This man decided to drive 200 miles and shoot up a grocery store. What's the, what, right. where's the, what's the difference? That's right. That's right. So what do you see over the next six months? Well, the, 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 the one thing that really troubles me is to a point that you made earlier, you know, there's a really interesting report that was done that 75% of the world's population now lives in the, lives in a country where the democracy is in backslide, the mm -hmm. democratic backslide, 70% of the world's population, the United States included. Um, I, I, so our institutions are failing us and a smaller and smaller number of people are making decisions for more and more of us. What, what I, th I think the point that I made before is the, is probably where I would go with this because my mentor in this business told me very, very early on, people vote for one or two reasons, pride or anger. And if we're thinking about pride, right, what has really brought out people in major ways? Anger doesn't do it enough, at least on, on the Democratic side. It's got to be a little more. We kind of we have to love people, right? And if I think about it, I, 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 if I think about major political movements, I think that's where the Democrats should go. They, clearly, it's really difficult for the establishment to create it in and of itself. So go where the heat is. Go where the strength and the power is. If that means signing on and get a re getting Reverend Barber or others to take a more forceful role in moving people through the party, do that. But we've got to go. We've got to go. Go where that power is. And I don't think we. I don't think the system, the institutions, the party, its structure itself is set up to do that. But we need to find that. We need to find that thing that really creates that social political movement. It's happening in ways that are. I don't want to say they're disconnected, but they are much more, they're not as connected to what happens in the party as much as it probably should. Um, having, in, in addition to that, I also feel, and I'm going to do a little more research on this, that one of the problems is trying to overlay all that we're doing on top of a democratic coalition that no longer exists. Mm. Because if you look at that coalition that got Obama elected, we, there's the folks of color or the black folks didn't come on for about a year, but eventually they did. Um, what we would call those latte liberals, limousine liberals, mm -hmm. high income, high education attainment Democrats. And historically, it was also blue collar whites, uh, white males, mostly organized labor. Problem is that Obama did very well around those high education attainment, high income earners early on, eventually got people of color that working class population never went to him. And I think there's still this conversation about trying to bring those folks back into the party, trying to go get rural voters, try to talk to these suburban voters, all valuable and I think worthwhile. But we really have to sit down and think about who the new democratic coalition is, including a lot of young voters um, who, who need to, who, who want to be a part of something, right? including a lot of young voters, we need to find what those people, who those people are, what those policies are, and focus on that. Because if we try to, if we're trying to 
cobble together a fraying coalition, it's, it's going to keep falling out of our hands. Uh, we need to find something that's strong, that is resilient, and build upon that um, with the kind of policies, like whether it's affordable college or more toward universal health care, whatever it is, we've got to find that sweet spot. But I think we our strategy, and we're willing to take losses in the short term with the long-term goal. I don't think we're there yet. Last question for you, Basil, is this. Um, we lose midterms. Have you ever seen a democracy be lost and gained back in a handful of years? Because I don't think that folks understand the urgency and the alarming situation that we are in. I personally believe that Democrats lose midterms, which everyone is normal political climate. The, per the party in power all always loses. I get that. We're also not in normal times. Um, we're also not dealing with two normal political parties anymore. We lose. What happens? Um, everything that we're that we're nervous about now, just that that feeling becomes worse, and the policies become worse. Um, you you think this pro this pro life movement has strength with this SCOTUS um, decision? If the Republicans gain both houses, um, you're going to see lawmaking away from what the president wants to do. Um, that is going to be 10 times as worse because they're going to find ways to create legislation that if they can't do it nationally, they'll push it into the states to try to really curtail people's rights and ability you know, sadly, maybe even ability to move around in this country. And I don't I don't mean like show me your papers, communist Russia. I mean, like you want to be able to go get services in New York and you live in Texas. Mm -hmm. They're going to find and, and because you can't get what you need in Texas, they'll they, they'll find a way to keep you from getting what you need to get. You know, th th that's what that's what makes me most fearful. Are, are we going to be in a position where. Where I live is going to make it so that I, my, my movement is constrained, my ability to go and, and get the kind of services that I want, whether it's healthcare or anything else, is how constrained is that going to be? Um, it used to be sort of that was a red state issue. It's going to be a red and blue state issue if there are even anything as red and blue states anymore um, going forward. That is that is my real concern. Everything we take for granted and say that that's somebody else's problem will become our problem individually, and it will not matter where you live. And that's that's the that's the that's the thing that scares me most. Because a lot of times people can use their money and mobility to mm -hmm. say, oh, "I'm just going to go here and I'm going to be okay. I'm not going to save you." That's the that's when we'll feel it. Dr. Basils Michael, thank you so much for making the time to join Woke AF. We appreciate you. Absolutely. The Damage Report with John Idarola is one of the most popular shows on the TYT network that serves as your daily breakdown of the genuine threats and challenges facing our country and world. These days, we're confronted with an overwhelming sea of shocking, confounding, and devastating news stories. 
The Damage Report is your life raft, helping you navigate the day's news and understand the damage caused by the corrupt establishment, politicians, corporations, and everything in between. Join the Damage Report's notorious fan club, The Dragon Squad, where you become part of a fantastic community of progressives. Create a fun dragon nickname that fits your personality, collaborate, and participate in fun activities like voting for, the garbage person of the week, and much more. Listen to The Damage Report on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. That is it for me today, dear friends on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Get a behind-the-scenes look at Comedy Central's The Daily Show on Beyond the Scenes, an original podcast from The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Every week, host Roy Wood Jr. goes deeper with the notable guests and experts from the Emmy Award-winning series. Together, they use comedy to tackle current topics from gentrification to gun laws and take a closer look at how and why these topics matter. Listen to Beyond the Scenes from The Daily Show with Trevor Noah on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes every Tuesday. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your your perfect home sweet home.